I'm Shivani Gupta. Namaste, everyone. Welcome to The Wealthy Podcast. I believe that one of the best presents that you can have in this life is to focus on your wellness, or as I like to call it, to become wealthy. Get inspired, challenged, and transformed. Welcome to The Wealthy Podcast. Today I have a man that I have been wanting to interview and speak to for almost three years now when a beautiful close friend of mine gave me a copy of his book. It's become one of my all-time favourites and Hector Garcia joins me on The Wealthy Podcast today. Uh, Hector has written many books, including Ikigai, which is the book I'm speaking about, A Geek in Japan, um, Mementos, and The Ikigai Journey. And we'll find out more about those in a moment. Um, He always says that for some reason, I don't understand that the books that I wrote were read by more than 2 million people all over the world. Well, being one of those 2 million people and having bought this book now for more than a dozen of my friends and family, um, if you haven't read it, please do yourself a favour and read it. It has been one of the most profound books I've read in the last five years. And um, uh, one of the other things I loved about Hector's introduction um, that I found, even though there was very little to find out about him, was that he says that I write every day and I will not stop writing till the day I die. It is such a pleasure to have you on today, Hector. Welcome. Nice to, nice to be here with you. Thank you. And Hector, tell us a little bit about your journey to get to where you have today. I guess um, perhaps in the business as well as the personal sense. Tell us a little bit about how you got to doing what you were doing today. I was, I was raised and born in, in a very beautiful, yeah, I have to say very beautiful little village in the Mediterranean. In, the, in 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 Spain, and my I have to say it was almost like a paradise life I had, like uh, living with my brother, my parents, this uh, little village next to the sea. I had all my like there was only one high school, so I had friends that we all know each other, all knew each other, and it was like a bubble of happiness i have to say i always tell my parents oh thank you for like taking care of me and having this so nice like upbringing but i don't know it's human nature even though there was like now looking in retrospective that was that was already like paradise i had this thing inside me that i, I think for me it's like my constant in life is curiosity and I wanted to I wanted to get out of there for some reason, like go out and explore the world. And my way of doing that was studying. I was I'm not ashamed to say I was a nerd. I was like this. I was uh, like computers, engineering. I went to computer science engineering school in Spain, and then I left. I went to Switzerland to work on this uh, particle accelerator that they have there with even more nerds there, like engineers. And then from there I jumped to Japan where I've been now, well, I've been now in Tokyo more than 16 years. Uh, Also working in IT and like the world of computers, like startups, um, 
But the interesting thing is that although I was pursuing this, uh, like being an engineer, I never was, once I found out like the best in the, the best in the world, I found out that I was not so good at engineering or maybe I didn't love it that much. And I realized that when I was working, I was always, I was always the guy writing documentation, writing emails to explain everything. I was the guy who was putting things together when there was confusion, I was writing down. I would say my, my I started noticing that my skin, what I enjoyed most was writing basically. And that started changing things in my life in a very slow way, but I think powerful. I started when I arrived to Japan, I started writing a blog about the mister. Uh, uh, if you've been, uh, uh, have you ever been in Japan? Yes, I have. I got yes, to travel okay. there a few years so, ago and loved it. So, you know, like the first time, it, it looks like you, you, you landed in an alien planet. And it's like, <laughs> you, you, yes. you, don't know, you don't know how to read things. You go to the supermarket and you're looking for shampoo and you don't know how to find shampoo. Like TV is crazy, like brands are different. So that for me was really exciting. But at the same time, I felt like, oh, I have to make sense of these things. And I started doing my thing, what I did at work and what I did for comp computer science. I started writing down everything in a blog, everything I was discovering. And that turned out to become one of the most popular blogs in Spain. Everyone was reading it. Um, one day, like I said, why, why don't I put all this into a book? And that, that was my first book. It was a very organic, it was called A Geek in Japan, that first book. And it was, it's not, it's a much more different book than Ikigai. It's a more, it's, I always forget the right brain and left brain. My first the book right is, is creative. Hmm. Yes, my, my, my first book is very like a, like a manual of Japan. It doesn't have much heart. Whereas I think in Ikigai, I brought more of my heart. And that's, that's been, I can continue with my journey. That, that's, that was the beginnings of how I became, writing became, I realized that writing was what really gives me, I don't know, energy. Yeah. And we were speaking about this before we started recording this, um, this podcast, Hector, but you know, I loved um, when I normally go in and look at people's LinkedIn and um, Facebook to try and get information about them. They usually have pages and pages of information. And I have to sort of um, use some discernment to get it down to two or three lines in a bio. Whereas yours, um, you know, talked about a, I think a human being living in the universe. And so I think it's interesting that despite the fact that you write each day that you don't want to be known as that. Tell me a little bit about, about what you shared with me just before we started. Yes, I think that's a mysterious, that, that was a conscious choice because I really believe in this idea that we, we, we are what, what we put 
not, not, not only about LinkedIn, but about everything in life, we are what we start believing our identity, if we define it. And if we write down something about ourselves, I think it becomes very, very powerful. And it can, in, in a good way, or it can become very powerful in a bad way. Because you can become a prison of that identity that you have created. And that, that, that's something I realized with LinkedIn. I, I used it very differently in the past. And if I, I wrote down very detailed things, then humans, we are very, we, we are not what we wrote down in LinkedIn 10 years ago, right? We are changing all the time. But if something is written down there, then people will start seeing you as that thing, which you might not be anymore. And I'm, I'm ranting a little bit, but it is very, I think it's very important that you, you write down your identity. You can write it in your notebook, maybe what you are now or what you want to become and write it in present tense. This is what I am. And I think in LinkedIn, I also have, I have human being in the universe, but I also have like very simple, I'm a writer or something like that. And that was, it took me many years. At the beginning, I didn't believe it. When I started writing the, my blog and then I published the, A Geek in Japan, it was very difficult for me for some reason to, to, to call myself, I'm, I'm a writer. It took me many years because I, I felt a little bit like an imposter, like imposter syndrome. But I learned that it's okay if you are becoming something, the sooner you start like, okay, I am this, the, the easier it will be for you to, to transform yourself. Does it make sense? It so does, absolutely. And um, at this point, it's probably a good time to declare that I, also used to be a fellow engineer and decided that it wasn't for me. And uh, listening to you talk about the, let me, the let process. Me it, took, it took a while, right? To change yes. that, that identity. It does. And I think it's still there. Inside me, it's still like, like the yeah. engineer sector. And, and Hector, um, for those people that are listening that haven't read the book, Ikigai, Tell us a little bit about what it stands for and what it means. I know you speak about that your ikigai is to write each day. Tell us a little bit about how would you explain it to somebody that hasn't read the book that gives them a better understanding of what ikigai stands for. Ikigai is a Japanese word that when I learned it, I really thought that this word should be known by everyone because it has it can be roughly translated as the meaning of your life or the reason for being. But maybe this is also like an engineer thing. Like with Ikigai, you can say it in one word. So it's very powerful. You can go to a loved one who is feeling down and ask like, is, is a little bit dif difficult and to ask someone, uh, are you feeling down because you are not connected with your reason for being? It's very long and it feels a little bit weird. But if you learn the word Ikigai, you can say, what's your Ikigai? 
or you can say, are you doing things aligned with your Ikigai every day? What have you done today? Is it aligned with your Ikigai? And now you're wondering, oh, do I know my Ikigai? Yes or not? And that's a, that's a longer question to answer. And that's, uh, that, that's, if you don't know yet what your Ikigai is, then your Ikigai should be to find your Ikigai. That's, that's uh, beautiful. a way to put it. So when I found this word, I, I decided I had to export it. It's not like I, I have, well, and in the end I mixed, we mixed, I have to say we, we wrote it with a co-author who is Frances. He's a novelist in Spain. And he's the one who helped me to, to, to become a little bit of a different writer, not like a little, like cold, like in a Geek Japan, but more like with a heart. And in, in Ikigai, uh, we, it sets, we, we, it was the first book about the Ikigai work and we mixed different concepts that are coming. It's not like we, we invented something, but I, well, I can say that it was the beginning of what now people call the Ikigai philosophy, but it was not intentional at that time. We just put the big ideas that we thought were the most powerful, which was we visited the village of the longest living people in the world and asked them about the Ikigai. Uh, we also put together uh, Victor Frankl's philosophy. And then like we, we also put together some like, like Japanese uh, philosophy and mindset and how, how to live life. And all those things together have become like a synonym of Ikigai philosophy. And now I think last time I counted, there are almost a hundred books about Ikigai. Uh, yeah, the hours, maybe there is, I haven't read all of them. Maybe there is a better one than mine. And, and, but we were the first, we were the Kickstarters of this like Ikigai movement. And I would say that if you can read the book, beautiful, if not, you can today just get the, I think just knowing the word, it will be powerful enough to, to, to make decisions better in your life. Just mm. use the word Ikigai. Okay, what that, what's happening? in my life i'm feeling down why is that maybe i'm not doing things according to my ikigai mm. Mm. that's beautiful and i also love what you said there earlier that if you don't have your ikigai then your ikigai could be to find your ikigai i just love that that you know it's okay to focus on that till you find it and when you find it then make some conscious choices about what you do Hector, tell me about your rituals. Um, I guess um, part of this podcast is also understanding the people I'm speaking to, whether they have rituals around their own wellness. And sometimes people do things daily and other times people do them yearly. Um, you know, what are some of the rituals that you have that help you um, manage your wellness, but also, I guess, for you, be connected to your Ikigai? What are some of the things that you do? I'm, first of all, I'm a big believer of rituals. It's like, it, it is a word, there is, there is one page in the Ikigai book that it says, I think the title is, the section is rituals over goals. We, we should have 
uh, rit rituals are more important than having goals and that's a very that's something i observe also in japanese culture that they are very focused on improving and you, you see it in religion you see it in their daily lives and they are less goal yeah i'm going to say the american culture are very goal driven and they forget about the daily rituals and i think i was like that too i was always focused on goals and running and then i thought i felt exhausted and i think for, for for me in fact it was i started being more focused on on my rituals in fact a little bit before writing ikigai because so my i have to say also the the origin story of the book ikigai is also is not written in the book but it was for me as i said before like my i think until i was 30 my life was i wouldn't say perfect but it was almost perfect so like okay everything if something bad was happening i could i could surpass it with like putting more energy or work on it but then when i was 31 a very mysterious illness uh, in my intestine i started having like it was i call it mysterious illness because it was not diagnosed after it was one year of not knowing what it was and that's the scariest thing until it was diagnosed it's an illness called SIBO and i was basically two three years like i couldn't do anything basically and that was very that was life-changing it was like oh no if my health doesn't let me do anything like health is the number one thing it sounds obvious but for me that was the wake-up call because before i had this mindset of anything that is stopping me i can i can surpass it but this illness it was it didn't matter how many books i read about how to heal myself how to do it didn't work and doctors didn't know how to heal it so it was like oh there is something in life i don't know how to how to go how to how to go over it and that that's one of the reasons why i met francis and we decided he said that writing ikigai would be good for me as a self-therapy to write as a self-therapy and that was one of the key elements like write for i wrote ikigai for myself like what is the meaning of all this if i'm ill and i can't do anything so that's and i think when people ask me why do you think ikigai is the book is so popular i think we i don't mention it in the book that i'm ill but when i'm writing that book i'm putting all my heart and really thinking about what life is and while writing the book i was also reading many things about the philosophy like victor frankel existentialist that the, the idea of existentialism is that we can believe many things like there are many traditions in the world like we can believe in we have many lives we can believe that in reincarnation we can believe whatever we want but there is there is one truth for any belief we have is that we are we have now one 
life here in planet Earth, and you have a limited time. And you have one body, one soul, one mind. And ideally, we should make the, I don't like the word best of it, but be, be the best human beings, or at least don't harm anyone while we are here. And have a, that, that's the idea of existentialism. So I was reading all the existentialists. I was also started reading a lot about meditation, and all types of meditation. And that's one of the first habits that started sticking into my lifestyle to meditate every day. At some point, it became a little bit, I noticed something interesting about meditation is that once you get seriously Maybe you can teach me about it. You can get, once you get serious into it, it can become even addictive. That's what something I noticed. It's like, I was, I was getting a good feeling. I stopped noticing my pain in my stomach for the first time in years, just by being meditating. At, the, at some point I was meditating for hours because I just wanted to not feel the pain. So, that became too much. I'm not doing that. That now I'm meditating between 10, 20 minutes per day. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the first things that I started. And the second was second thing is like when I went to the longest living village in the world, I noticed they they did exercise, not very strenuous exercise, but they did it every day, like 10 minutes of they call it radio tyson. So, and I, I was very weak at that time, but this Radio Taiso, I saw people who were 90 or 100 years old doing it. So I said, I'm ill, but I can do this. If this 100 year old person can do it, <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> so that was the second thing I started doing in the morning to activate my, I was waking up very like with pain. So I was doing Radio Taiso and meditation. And over, over time that started being, now I do just, I do like almost one hour of yoga or calisthenic exercises. So that becomes my, for my health, I do ex very light, I do exercise with my body. I don't do anything fancy. And I do meditation and that's, I do that the first thing I do in the morning, I, I call it, I write. And that, that's the first thing I do. And that helps me with everything. It gives me satisfaction for the rest of the day. And that's blogged with no smartphone, no internet. Uh, it's, uh, I call it flow time because it's my, it's my flow time, my ritual. And it has a name in my calendar, it's flow time. And I put a cup of green tea. And when I put it in the table, it means I have to write. And when I finish is when I do the exercise. And at night I do the meditation before sleeping. So those are my, and then what happens in the middle, it doesn't really matter. I, I, I let it, you see, if I realize too, if you become too strict, it becomes like a stress, all your rituals. So in the middle is whatever it comes. Like today, mm. I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation with you without any worry 
that I'm breaking any ritual. Like it can become a little bit sometimes. So that's what, if you're a night owl, I recommend you having rituals at night. If you're a morning person, it's better to block your morning time. And then have some time for freedom and play and whatever it comes. That's a beautiful way to put it, Hector. Beautiful way to put it. That it's almost like your days are bookended with rituals, but then you have this free time and um, creative space and um, doing, I guess, what your heart desires a lot more during the day. Um, yeah, I that's do, beautiful. I do, a lot of, I do a lot of reading, like sitting and reading. And that, that's what I do in my free time. And then ideas come up. If you're always doing the same thing, then ideas stop coming for some reason. Like creativity, you need stimulus. Absolutely. And I'm not sure if this question will be hard or easy, Hector, but, you know, future aspirations and sometimes people go, look, I'm living in the moment, but there's quite a bit more things that I want to write or there's other things that you want to do. Um, tell me a little bit about, I guess, both uh, from the work that you create and, and who you are. You know, what are some of the things that you go, I'd like to do that? And it might be nothing to do with your work or it may be to do with your work. Tell me, tell me about what you would like to do or explore or create need, in the future. I need, I need your help on this. this like, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm turning 40 years old in February and I think I'm having, I have to read my book again. I'm having like a middle age <laughs> crisis. Like I'm thinking now... No, no, like I'm thinking seriously about this question of, I like thinking a lot, I live in the present, but I like thinking a lot of what more than, we have this thing like creating a year, like you write your goal for the year. I like writing my goals for one decade because it feels, it feels, I think we usually underestimate we overestimate what we can do in one year. So we write down many things and then we feel it's December and you feel frustrated like, oh, I didn't achieve this. Oh no, I didn't do this. And I, I was meant to, but I think if you write it for 10 years, we, we usually underestimate it. If I think what I have achieved the last 10 years is kind of, and I think everyone who is listening, if you think about your last 10 years of your life, just, just you can, after listening to this podcast, try to write down like the major things that happened last 10 years to you. And I think every human being has amazing things that they have done in the last 10 years. So I'm also thinking what, what do I want to focus my life from my 40s until my 50s? And I want to, I think it varies for me, it seems a little bit like, too, too simple and boring is like I want to keep writing and um, if you ask me what do I want to keep writing and publishing books I think that I don't want to plan it I want to whatever I feel in the moment of writing I, I will write it uh, I will write it I don't want to plan myself you have to write about this or that mm. but it will probably be more I like philosophy, Japan culture, and I also like cultural, like 
thinking about, for example, lately I'm very interested in Indian culture. It's fascinating to me. Everything that is, that what are, what are the common things that makes us human? That's something that interests me a lot lately. Yeah, I, um, it's interesting you say that. I grew up in India and then moved to Australia at the age of 11. And it's only really in the last five or six years that I've got very fascinated about Indian culture. So I almost feel like I'm completing the circle and going back to understanding. I just recently had my Vedic astrology charts done about three weeks ago. And for the first time in my life last week, I went to see an Ayurvedic doctor because mm. I wanted to understand a few more things a little bit differently. And I've had access to all of these things all my life. I'm in my 40s. Mm, and, um, but I've only just going back to that. It's almost like I'm more open to um, going back to uh, where I've come from. But I, I think that just becomes... Um, I think it's the age I'm at where I'm starting to appreciate more from where I came from rather than oh, you know, that's just the old-fashioned way and I'm going to run to the Australian way of the modern, the Western way of doing things because the modern and Western ways aren't working in a lot of ways for me. Yes, uh, some things are working and some things are not. So I'm going back to the, the ancient. So I can so relate to that, um, so relate to that, Hector. Um, and uh, I, I just love the fact that you don't, you don't want to be that structured that you are forcing what you're going to write about. That'll come as it comes, but you will continue to write. Yeah, I think you, we all need like a vision, but not, not super, like you need like a guidance, like a North Star. And that's how I see Ikigai too. Like, are you pointing to, to your Ikigai? Every person sees it differently. And yes, yeah. I, also, I also have now better, I want to know more about Spanish culture now. But when I was there, I wanted to leave and now, when I go back to Spain, I find it a fascinating culture. I see it from the outside and it's like, wow, this is amazing. And about the ancients too, like there's so much wisdom where I was like, new technologies and everything, that's, that's okay, that's good. But I'm also becoming a really believer that if there is something that has stayed in traditions and rituals for thousands of years, to like many human generations, there must be a reason why that's surviving. And that's where we, we must look at, like, okay, this is for a reason. And India has a amazing, like, like all kinds of culture and context mix, mix. They, I, it reminds me to Japan too. Japan has like, you cannot define Japan with just one thing. Japan has like, like all these kinds of religions and traditions that are almost more than religions are like ritualistic traditions. And that fascinates me, like why, if this is here for a reason, it means that it has helped humans through thousands of years. Yes, yes. I remember um, when my husband and I, we lost our first baby, unfortunately. Now we have two very beautiful and healthy kids. Oh. But um, at the time, this whole notion of miscarriage really upset me because it was like I had miscarried. And I, didn't, I still don't feel like that the word is quite right. And I seeked a lot of different cultures. And the only culture that I found that honoured and celebrated mm. a child uh, that had passed was the Japanese culture. And the Jesus statues, right? Yes. And also the, you know, the white 
ribbons and the prayers and the ceremonies around it. And so um, I actually took that, um, that learning from the Japanese culture and then we did a ceremony for the little girl that we had lost based on that. And I, again, think, you know, um, this has been happening for uh, thousands of years, but there are some cultures, whether it's Feng Shui or in the Chinese culture, there's so many different things. When I agree with you, Hector, when things have lasted for that long, there must be some essence to it that can't be shifted. Yeah. Well, um, it has been absolutely uh, wonderful to speak to you today. Um, if we want to find out more about you and the work that you are doing, what's the best place, um, Hector, to find you? Uh, I have a website that is, if you write it down, is hectorgarcia.org. And that's where I'm starting to put everything together, all my books. And, and from there, you can find my Twitter account. And yeah, that's... That's the main thing. Or you can search my name, Hector Garcia, on Amazon, and you'll find the books. But if you if you want to read, I put lots of contents online for free. HectorGarcia.org. Wonderful. Um, and we will have a look at that. I um, can't thank you in words today. It's been such a pleasure and an honor speaking to you today. Thank you for being on this pleasure podcast. Pleasure is pleasure is mine. I think you are really you 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 know. It was a very, how would I say? It was all the questions were on point about Ikigai. So since you're already, you, you've thought a lot about this. So. You have a book Thank about you. passion too, right? I do. Yes. I do. And I'm shifting more from passion and wanting to speak about other things. Um, and so I'm just really grateful that you could be on here today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I'm Shivani Gupta, and you've been listening to The Wealthy Podcast. Thank you for listening. Follow Wealthy on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And if you haven't yet, go to the Opera Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Namaste. Namaste.